Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome back to a new episode of Back to Basics. For today's show, I have invited someone that I have known for many, many years. First as a customer and then as a friend. Ignacio Angulo is a self-described consumer telecom and information technology professional with an extensive background in engineering, financial, marketing, and business development in wireless and telecommunications. He has climbed the corporate ladder to extremely senior positions in companies such as Ericsson and AT&T, to name a few. We also share the same country, Venezuela, as our birthplace. So there's so much to talk, and I hope that you will find him as interesting and inspiring as I do. Hello, Ignacio, and thanks for saying yes and coming on to Back to Basics. Hi, Letty, and thanks for the opportunity to share my lifelong experience here in your, in your podcast. Well, I find you very, very inspiring. And uh, people, we, we already have, you're going to be episode 15 or 16 of Back to Basics already. One of the great things and great feedbacks that I'm getting is, how do I find these people? People ask me, how do you know these people? How do you find these people? And so that makes me very happy that the audience is finding uh, the guests inspiring. So I'm very happy to have you on board, Ignacio. You know, we start with a basic question of tell us about your childhood, tell us who you were as a kid, what did you like doing? And we're gonna, with that, we're gonna go into the journey of, of the person you've become. Okay, thank you. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a long time. Um, You're not that old, it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I grew up like, like you did in, in Venezuela. In, uh, in, it was a, um, a different country, definitely, than what it is today. Um, you know, as, as a kid, I, knew, I normally went out the street and, you know, played baseball with, you know, kids around the, the, uh, the street and um, did all the things that, you know, the kids were actually do uh, at that age, right? You know, hang out and, you know, and connect and talk to each other, not like probably today, which uh, that personal contact has uh, been lost a little bit. Absolutely. But, um, you know, in general, you know, it was... I used to go, um, my father actually used to live in a different city. He, he was actually heading a, a chain of hospitals in the east side of Venezuela in the oil fields. Uh, and I was living in Caracas. Normally, we would go every now and then to, you know, that place to actually be on the, uh, it was in the middle of, of uh, oil fields. It was a town called Anaco, which is, which for me was actually liberation because uh, there I had my bike. And I could go anywhere I wanted. So, so for me, it was diff different from living in a city where you have to, you know, drive or you know you can not drive your 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 bike in the in the, uh, in the on the streets. Of course. Um, so, but you know, it was it was uh, very. I, I really enjoyed you know that time in in the open field. You know, having you know the freedom of you know exploring the world and all that. I'm, I'm a very curious guy. 
I, my curiosity is what has actually helped me uh, not only learn about many things and also explore new things. I have, I have been since I was a child a very curious curious guy. So, and there anything in particular you were curious that you can remember, or just anything like you like to know things and, and explore, or is there anything you said was particularly curious about this thing? Well, I I loved to actually take things down, break them apart, and okay. put them back together. Okay, <laughs> okay, that makes sense. And then people will know when you tell what you study. But okay, that explains yeah. a lot to me. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you know, exactly because of that is why I think I chose the engineering path. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really liked, I really liked when I was a child to know how things work from inside. Um, how they, they, you know, how they're constructed how they're built and then I will take things apart and bring them back again my bike you know and so I started you know having that curiosity you know believe it or not I had other other passions you know which were very different from that I I liked music uh, also as a a child but I never had the opportunity to learn music when I was a small child Uh, it wasn't only until I got to 14 when I when I really uh, took that formally uh, but at some point of time, I was actually thinking of being becoming a paleontologist. Okay, interesting. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah. and uh, then you know, music. I, I always there was a piano in my house, and I used to play the piano in my house. And I was always telling my my mom, you know, I wanted to learn piano. But uh, so along the way, I was doing a lot of skateboarding when I was between say ten to. 13 years old, um, and I had an accident that I, that I, you know, I broke, I basically caused an, an injury on my right hand, on the middle finger of my right hand. So, you know, there goes the piano. I couldn't, well. I couldn't you know, my, my uh, uh, hopes for actually learning formally the piano were gone at that time. Hmm. But, that that for know, a kid, you know, if that's something you wanted to do, I imagine that wasn't the best experience. No, it, it wasn't. It and it and it was uh, actually I, I I had it was very serious because it got infected and and it it caused a lot of problems. So I had to go to therapy after that and all that. But what I what I decided to take was well, can I take drums? And and I started you know asking to play drums and you know how how to actually learn about that. Mm. Obviously, my mom was. Not very happy about the idea of having a drum set. <laughs> like in, any in an parent. <laughs> yeah, like any parent. Uh, especially in an era where there, was, there weren't any um, uh, electronic drum sets. Of uh, so it was, they were loud and, you know, it was difficult, right? So, but, you know, so much I pushed that she said, well, okay, here you have, you have this amount of money. See whatever, whatever you can find. So I went to the classified uh, you know, ads in, on the newspaper and I found one with uh, the amount of money that I was given. So that's how it started. And the, the drums actually helped me with the recovery of my uh, dexterity on my right hand with my middle finger. Okay. Um, because you use your fingers a lot when you drum and, and you know, the pressure and all that, it helped me a lot in my recovery as well. Interesting, so, interesting. And yeah. that's obviously something that has stayed with you uh, through through time. Like, you know, as a kid, you were doing, you know, all these things and you pick up drums so, uh, around 14. Yeah, that's that's what I did. And uh, and up to the to the day today, I, I never got 
a surgery on that hand because it, I was growing. So what ended up happening is that the, the, I had to over to compensate for that to compensate for for the uh, kind of the uh, the um, impairment that I had with that. So, but there was there was so much passion about you know drumming at that time for me. I mean, I, I was all the time thinking about music, all the time thinking about that, and in parallel. I still was curious about things. I was still breaking things down and all that. And my grandfather picked that up, uh, that, you know, I was very curious about electronics. And um, he was himself uh, a very, um, he, he was uh, a radio technician, but more than a radio technician, he was uh, uh, an, an entrepreneur of many radio stations back in Venezuela. So mm. he was the founder uh, many of the uh, of the AM radio stations there at that time. Wow! Uh, he had learned he had learned that in New York, and he came back to Venezuela and started, you know, setting up uh, radio stations. The truth of the matter is that he was setting up the radio station, the the radio part, and all that, putting together the um, kind of the uh, station as as a business, and then sell it off. He would go and wow. go to the next one. Right? Wow! That, that's that's definitely visionary for that time. It, it was, it was. So, and and I, it's funny because many years after when I started working for Telcel in Venezuela, which was the second uh, wireless carrier, I, I came across a friend of my, a very good friend of mine who is called, called Carlos Sanchez. And he used to actually work for uh, one of the persons that, for Nelson Berfo, which was uh, one of the persons that bought a lot of stations that my grandfather had actually uh, started. And he told me, I mean, there were a couple of radios that were still working from that time. And, and you know, you, he actually told me, you're, you're the grandson of Mr. Carlos Poleo. I cannot believe it. So because he's, he, he knew about the radios. Wow, that's, that's, I didn't know that about you, but that's definitely very impressive. I mean, the opportunity that our, our grandparents and parents, well, in my case, had to do, you know, to make the infrastructure in our country. I always find it fascinating. Yes, it was it was a time in which, you know, the country was being built from the ground up, right? I mean, there were so many opportunities at that time to do the right things. And so many things were done uh, during that, that era that that was it was impressive. So so he was your inspiration to get into engineering? Or he push yes. you, or he advise you. Well, he he. Um, I have an older brother who he actually kind of mentored uh, a bit more, and who got into a electronic engineering, and uh, and he picked up that I was also very curious about that. So he gave me he gave me. I don't know if you remember those those kits that were for building you know amplifiers, and it was called Hithkit. Yeah, I know because of my husband, and you know he's a musician too. So, but I know I don't personally remember that. Yeah. So he gave me uh, one of these uh, kits to build in electronic with transistors and and you know resistors and all those things. And and he definitely said you you, you got a lot of talent for this, and uh, and you should pursue just like your brother. You should pursue you know this. And and so for me, going into an electronic engineering was. Something that I decided many, many years before I went, I wanted to even, you know, probably by second year of high school, I was already decided that for me, there were no, there was no 
doubt in my mind that that's what I wanted to do. Interesting. Okay. And so you went into, you went on to study in the best university we have in Venezuela and it's worldwide recognized Universidad Simón Bolívar. You went there and studied engineering. Yes, that's correct. Um, that's correct. I, I had to actually um, um, go for my senior year of high school. I actually had to move to Texas with my sister. But, you know, even 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 though I had the opportunity to actually stay in the U.S. and, and study in the U.S., I wanted to go back to the Universidad de Bolivia. So I went to went back, uh, did the uh, admission test and came, you know, went in into the university. And in parallel, I was kind of living this dual you know, life of music. I was at that time when I went into into um, university. I was playing very heavily with you know with bands and even recording and, and doing you know a lot of professional stuff in my music. At the same time that I was actually going to school and studying in the school. So those were really uh, exciting times. And at that time, I'd had a lot of. Uh, friends that were either, you know, studying in the university as the same as me and playing music at the same time. So there were there were a lot of people that, you know, just like me that were in the same the same boat. Obviously, some of them decided to stay in music. Some of them decided to stay in the, uh, you know, engineering path. To me, it's very interesting. I was going to say because uh, and Don was part of, of the podcast on episode three. I interview my husband and he He's also an engineer from the same university that you are also uh, had a professional musician career. And that, like you too, I know a few others. And so to me, it's so interesting. I don't know if it was something from, from your era, from your university or what is it, but uh, there's a, a bunch of you guys out there. And uh, I'm not surprised that you're all successful people and very numeric uh, th I don't know how to explain it like you got you guys have a split version of yourselves <laughs> where you talk to the engineers and you are one thing and then you talk to a more sensitive more poetic that musical aspect com comes out and I, I, I am always impressed by it well and and I have I have actually since I'm very curious okay uh -huh. yeah <laughs> I, I have investigated a little bit more why is that? And, and, you know, how the music and, and there's a lot of new investigations, new research that has been done on how the mind works and how the mind of a musician works. Actually, there's um, there's a couple of things I found on the Internet um, that they have placed a lot of um, sensors in, in the brain of people while they're listening to music. And, you know, things start sparking everywhere. You know, there's activity, brain activity all over the, uh, the cortex, right? But then they do the same thing, the same experiment with people that are musicians. Mm -hmm. And it's very different pattern to how the brain of a musician actually works and listens to music. And I always had this conversation with my wife that, you know, we musicians, it, it seems from this, you know, research, they have found that People listen to music and they listen with their ears that, that comes into your brain and goes to both sides of the brain and the experience is actually heard as a, as a whole. Whereas musicians, we split every instrument, we split it in different areas of the, of the, of the brain and we listen to music, break, breaking it all into pieces and then putting it back together. Hmm. 
like so different that creates, channels. It's a different channels. It's a different experience. And you know, I, I something that I have noticed is that yes, I can separate the the, the every instrument in my brain, and I can be listening and focusing only on that instrument when I'm listening to music if I want to. Um, whereas you know, people normally don't uh, do that consciously, right? And that has to do with the engineering and the music part has to do with, you know, things that are done with the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain, right? So what ends up happening is this, this people that actually have these two sides of ways of seeing the world develop a very strong communication between both sides of the brain. And that, that helps in, in solving a lot of complex problems. That's how interesting. And, and, and I think, you know, to move into who then you became, I mean, you're an extremely successful professional. And anybody that I'm sure is going to listen to this podcast, people that in our in our industry are going to learn so much more about you, but they all can agree with me that uh, you have had a brilliant career. I personally admire, admire you as a professional, but you've always have had the quality of first humanity and that's why i think uh when i introduce i mean you you knew my family business and you knew my father but we had never met each other when we first started working together and you're someone that's always willing to listen learning and now it explains you know when we presented you new products you were eager to try it i mean those qualities um permeated into who you became professionally and i'm sure music had a lot to do with that too do you feel that you can link the two, like who you are as a professional has helped you because you uh, had music in your life? Absolutely. I think uh, the things that I've learned in that time when I was for those 10 years that I was uh, not only playing music, but, you know, almost professionally living from music, there were so many lessons that I have consciously and unconsciously applied to my professional career. Okay. Especially the things that have to do with uh, leading teams, leading people. Being the drummer in a band typically takes a second, a second, uh, you know, plane for uh, for the band. You know, you're not, you're rarely the one in front. You're you're behind everybody else. You're keeping the the tempo. You're keeping the rhythm. You're keeping the band together, right? Mm -hmm. So that permeates in the style of the leader uh, I may be, right? I have to listen. I listen a lot to what the others are doing, right? And uh, that helped me definitely in, in being the, the leader that I am. Um, in fact, I have applied a lot of the things that I've learned in that, in that time, in um, some of them unconsciously. Some of them were not necessarily some things that I did consciously, that I purposely did, but I realized later why I did it. And the reason why I did it is because I came from that uh, strong, you know, experience that I had being a musician at the same time that I was being an engineer. So yes, I, I, I I've been in startup companies. I've been, you know, in charge of uh, the two major um, Venezuelan networks uh, at the time. Then I went went to Canada, working for Ericsson. Then came back to Venezuela to work for MobileNet. Uh, went to Puerto Rico to work for Centennial, and then you know came into uh, AT&T as my last, uh, my last stage. Along the way, I found a, a very interesting book, um, which is called Maestro mm -hmm. by Roger Nirenberg. Okay. Um, and 
this book was actually shocked me tremendously because it's a very it's a very short book. It's a very small book, but what he did, he actually created a management practice or a management training to show leaders how to connect, you know, the, the experience of being the leading an orchestra, uh, which was actually the this this guy Roger Nirenberg is a is an orchestra director. How to connect be, between being the uh, the director of the orchestra to being a leader within a company. Okay. How interesting. It, I was amazed uh, of how many things uh, you know that are in the book I did unconsciously in the past. So I started applying it more consciously, obviously, and uh, and. You know, I, I asked my team to actually read it all and, and you know, we put in practice a lot of these things. Um, so it, it has shaped that leadership portion tremendously. It has shaped the way I, again, I don't feel that, you know, leaders have to be, you, 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 I mean, when you're a leader of, uh, in a company, when you're a leader, in, in, in especially in the higher ranks, so people have to feel that you're genuine about leading them and people follow leaders that do come across as being authentic and genuine and the the art of leadership is exactly that the art of leadership is actually to to accomplish extraordinary things with ordinary people people that would definitely could be told what to do could be forced to do something, but they choose to actually do it because they believe in you. Okay, so that's the big difference in, in, and that's why I think when you're a leader and you don't you don't come across genuine or authentic, people will actually follow the the rules, will actually follow you know what you say, but they're not committed. I totally agree. And that's, that's the magic. The magic actually happens when people commit themselves to a, an initiative, a company, a task. They, they do it 150%. They, they do things that, you know, the leader may have not thought about. Yeah. The, is when, when things become, when one plus one becomes three or four, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and that's that I have I have been able to to, you know, not only be part of high performance teams, but also start high performance teams uh, in, in several of the companies that I've worked on. And the people that I have that I have worked with and I have that I have done that in the past, I have I'm fortunate to say that a lot of them still remember those times as one of the best times in their careers. And and it's the same for me. I mean, I'm not saying that I was the one who um, did all that, but I did create the environment for that to happen. And I think that's the that's the key portion of being a leader. You you have to be the one who creates the environment for that. I, I totally agree. And uh, I mean, I'm learning as you speak. I'm taking my notes for myself to learn also how to become a better leader. But, you know, and I say this often, but when I think about who to invite on the show, uh, it has to be, do with that too, because the show is about 
getting people inspired and leading them and, and trying to achieve maybe those things that they got stuck or they haven't, you know, gotten the motivation to get to do. And I know people listening to you are going to be prompted to revisit what they have there. And it's something that, I mean, I've known you for probably 20 years at least. And uh, we never like really work closely, but uh, we work in, 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 in different functions um, together at some point as a vendor and as a customer. And, and one thing I've seen from you is consistency. Like I can vouch that everything you're saying, you're being very consistent. And I know that's how people in the industry perceive you. And uh, that's a, an important quality to have. And, and the genuine aspect of it, I think, it carries such a big weight and, and sometimes we minimize, you know, like even on my LinkedIn, I also have, uh, it's funny you mentioned genuine because I say genuine connections, you know, I think people at this point when we are overwhelmed by LinkedIn requests, by emails, by people trying to reach us for one reason or the other, we can, we can identify really who's trying to reach us for what, right? I don't know if this happens to you. But it definitely happens to me, and I think that genuine component is very important also to inspire people that are around you day in and day out to be better. It's it's obviously, it's it's definitely something that, I mean, we humans have the uh, the ability to actually detect those things. And uh, yes, obviously, yes, a lot of times you see a lot of leaders that don't seem genuine, don't seem, um, you know, don't seem authentic. People detect that very quickly. There's something about it that is so detectable that the most common employee, the most common person will actually detect that immediately. They, they wouldn't know what it is. They wouldn't know why, but they definitely would detect it immediately. Yeah, no, so definitely, yeah, it's, a, it's an important quality. So, so Ignacio, in one of the, one of the reasons also that, that I decided to do this podcast is because I know through the journey of becoming a successful leader, such as yourself, and a successful professional, sometimes we kind of grow detached from things that were our passions. So I think we've established uh, that music has been one of your passions uh, throughout your life. And then I'm sure you probably, being that you describe yourself as a very active person, is there anything else that through your life you've had as a passion? Well, um, yeah, I I have to, I started thinking about formally putting myself through, uh, I, I've done sports all my life. I, I did, I was in the, uh, you know, elementary school, you know, baseball team. Then I moved into the basketball team and the soccer team. And then when it wasn't actually in the U.S., I was playing soccer and I was the soccer star, obviously, of the uh, of the high school uh, when I was in the U.S. Nobody played soccer at that time, right? So mm -hmm. somebody that played soccer was actually a star. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So, but obviously, as as I transitioned back into music and, and my career, I, I needed to... Um, get some physical activity that I could do, you know, formally and, and consistently, right? Um, so about, I, so I did play tennis when I was young, but, you know, never took lessons, never took it seriously. I played with my friends and, you know, it wasn't, it was, it was okay, but nothing, nothing formal. So I decided about 12 years ago when I was living in Puerto Rico, I decided, you know, 
you know what, this tennis is probably something I could be doing for the rest of my life if I want to. So I decided to pick up tennis and, and I did, and I did so. I started taking lessons, you know, doing formally lessons, um, you know, at six o'clock in the morning. Wow. Um, yeah. So, um, and I started playing. So when I moved here to the Pacific Northwest, I live now, uh, I've been here uh, almost nine years. You're in Seattle, uh, right? I'm in, in the Seattle area, okay. the Seattle metro area, yeah. Very close to, you know, 20 minutes from Seattle. Okay. Um, so I decided, well, let me, let me see. And, and the good thing is that not only I picked it up, I convinced my wife to pick it up as well, right? So we both uh, started to take lessons and start taking tennis seriously. So it became our exercise, your exercise activity. And so, you know, you know me by now and you know that if I'm going to be playing tennis, I'm going to be formal about it, and, you know, <laughs> and consistent about it. So I've been, since I got here, obviously here in the Pacific Northwest, tennis is something that you have to do indoors most of the time. You only have three months of the year that you could probably do it outdoors. Most of the time it's indoors. So I signed up for, uh, for a club. And I've been playing, um, I, I signed up for the USTA, US Tennis Association, and started playing in tournaments here in, in, in my level, in my age. I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I, I can play now in three leagues, the 18 and above, the 40 and above, and the 55 and above. <laughs> uh, That's great. So in, in, in last year, we, um, I, I've been to several times to regional, you know, we have, we have become the, the champions of of the Western Washington region, we've been to to regionals, and then last year we went to nationals, and uh, we came in the third place nationals. Wow, that's the, very uh, impressive. Yeah, the 18 and above team. So, I'm I'm having a lot of fun with that because um, I can I can do it. I try to do it at least three times a week. Uh, it keeps me. Uh, the good thing about tennis is that you know you go there for an hour, an hour and a half. You have your workout. And then, you know, you do it three times a week and you, you maintain your, your, uh, your level and you maintain your, your fitness, right? Yeah, it's, it serves both purposes. Yeah. And, and because I, I, I'm not a person that's going to go into a gym and, you know, just, just, you know, go to a machine and, you know, just walk for 30 minutes. And yeah, but I would get bored really, really, really fast. So I need to be, I, I need to be active. I need to be chasing something, I would need to be, you know, running, you know, after a, a ball or something like that. But, you know, I definitely don't like the, the sports that are repetitive and, you know, in nature, right? Yeah, no, I'm like you. I like, I like sports rather than the gym. But uh, one of the reasons why I go into, into this is because I know that you have, I mean, to get to the levels that, that you got, Within AT and T National, I mean, you you got to to executive VP or if I'm correct or senior VP. A, a VP. Okay. It's, uh, it's junk VP. Yeah. So so it's very high in the organization, and and it's it's these are positions that you've held, you've had to move, you you've been an expat, you move your families several times, and uh, you have to to well, I I shouldn't call them kids because by now they're Teenagers. Teenagers, yes. Yes. And so, so you've, you've had a demanding life with a lot of travel. Was there any time or any life experience where you felt 
devastated or down. You know, we all go through very difficult periods in our lives. And you felt that you got lost from who you were and the things you enjoyed. And if that happened, uh, how did you get back into it? Did you just go for it? You know, I find it of myself that sometimes I'm in doing things and I just... I'm so in an automatic mode that I forget what I enjoy. And, and one of my purposes is how do we stay connected? Yeah. No, def definitely. I have had many changes in my life. And some of them have been, um, you know, new opportunities, new things that have, that have uh, come across. Other things have been um, basically uh, chosen. Okay, and, and decided upon. So, so if I think if I think of the major changes, you know, when I first moved, well, first first I moved the first time, you know, I moved formally was uh, as I said in high school, and that was kind of a forced move. Uh, I didn't have an option, and uh, and actually I was really devastated that that it was going to be my senior year. So I I didn't graduate in the school that I had been for all my life. You know, came back came back for the for the parties but uh but well, <laughs> didn't graduate with yeah <laughs> yeah but the, the, that was one that that was that was very very um very difficult it was very difficult to move as a 17 year old uh kid that has been you know in venezuela for most for all my life to move to a a, a different country that was i moved to texas Different country, different language. Even though I did speak English, I never had math or biology or physics in English before. before and that it's time. quite different. Yes. Yes. Studying so in another had, language. Yeah. Yeah. So, so even though you know they said yes, he he, he qualifies because his English is is very good. I never studied in English, so I had to adapt to that. And and you know two weeks. Two weeks into it, I went back to my, my brother-in-law that I was living with my sister and my brother-in-law. I went to my brother-in-law and said, two weeks, I said, I'm done. I'm, I'm going back. I, I, I don't like this. I, I, I come every day with, you know, with headache. I'm not understanding anything. This, this is not going to work. He, you know, he's, he's almost like, um, like a big brother for me. I mean, I've known him for all my life. Uh, and he said, no, 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 you know, give it a try, you know, think about, you know, you are in a much better position than I, than I was when I came here. Uh, when I came here, I did not speak English at all. So I, I know what you're going through and it's going to be okay. So he convinced me at that time to not go back, not call it a failure, but, you know, try to, uh, you know, give it a try. And, and I had, to, you know, he said, you can always go back. You can, you can, you have the option. If you want to go back, you can go back. But, um, but he, he held me that at that time. And, and you know, I, obviously I was 17, you know, I, uh, it was difficult, you know, to come into a, a high school in a senior year because everybody at that time knows each other. Um, you know, it was difficult to make friends at that time, but I did. I did, and I and I, you know, I really enjoyed it. And, and that experience, when I went back to my, to Venezuela, uh, that experience had changed me so much that I then I when I saw my friends, I, I noticed, you know, how much I, I have grown during that year in comparison to if I would have stayed, right? Mm -hmm. So that helped me. That helped me 
so much to be able to cope with adversity, be able to cope with, you know, it gave me a lot of flexibility and taught me a lot. Now, that has, I'm just giving you an example, but, you know, obviously I have had throughout my career other examples where, you know, you think, well, you know, it's, it's, things are not coming my way. Things are not happening the way I, I plan it. And that always happens, right? That always happens to everyone. Now, the important thing is how to bounce back in any of those uh, situations. And I told my, my daughter this same message about, um, about a year ago because she, she went through, um, you know, some health issues and she was really, she was really down because she was, you know, losing one, uh, semester in, in university. And I said, that, that's not important right now. What is important is how you bounce back. Okay. How you come back from, from things, things that are going to happen to you in life. Uh, and the important thing is how you come back. And, and the only way to, to, to work around that is, or, or train to, to do that is, Think about the future and the things you can change in the future. Don't stay in the past. If you make a mistake, if you make a bad decision, well, that's done already. Now you have to do whatever needs to be done to bounce back and, you know, correct what has been done wrong. Mm -hmm. And that goes to relationships, that goes to, you know, decisions, that goes to all the things in life. Uh, I've learned that many, 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 many times, and I've had a lot of adversity. I mean, just think about about you know the the, the times that I had to go through. I I, um, I don't know if you recall this, but you know even I was in in Telcel when the the two coups happened in Venezuela in '92. Yep. Yeah, I and was there too. Yeah, you were there too. But yeah, but I was in charge of. of yeah, of, of, you were in charge of, of, the, of, the, of the of the one of the most important networks. Uh, yeah, and then that, that happened to me a lot, a lot of times. Also, MobileNet, and um, it it is important that you know those things are adversities that come across, but you definitely have to think about. Well, it happened. That that happened. There's nothing I can do to change that. What I can do is what I can do to change the future after that. Yeah, and that's that's a great point you bring in. And, and I had uh, the privilege to interview Frank Quintero uh, just a couple of episodes back. And uh, he obviously is Venezuelan. And, you know, we did the conversation and we just briefly imagined what would happen if, if our country was different. But one of the most inspirational things having guests like yourself, and I've been told this myself, you know, we live, people don't realize as Venezuelans how we live with a daily, daily anguish about what's going on in our countries and, and things we've had to do and we've had to adapt. And, and you know, and some people, sometimes they forget about it because, for example, in my case, I don't, I don't dwell my entire day and I work in a Venezuelan-related company, so big part of my day involves a lot of problems with that but you know if we focus in what's going on or the past or the fact that you know what's going on in our country then we definitely would be depressed all day <laughs> so yeah. I, I love the fact that you know you bring up a very important point that part of what you have gone through both professionally and personally involves having to move from countries, having to change, you know, the family from where they live. And, and you have a family back, back home. 
So this is something that is not like you move and you never think about it anymore. So it's, it's quite, quite admirable. Can you share with us where are you right now in, in your journey? I know you, you right now are doing consultancy for a lot of top co companies in the U.S. and are enjoying that process. And to me, that's exciting because I think someone with your caliber, uh, it's a financial asset to any organization. So you went from a big shot corporate job to something a little bit more entrepreneur, some consultant, freelancing, where you're adding value um, uh, more, more like on a selective basis. Yeah, it, it, it actually happened back in 2017. I've always uh, I've been thinking about this for many years, you know, that my next step after, um, after AT&T was going to be probably doing some consulting, board of directors, board of advisors roles, um, because I, again, I'm very curious and I, I like change. I like to learn about new things, new models, new new software, new uh, ways of doing things, new people. I, I, I said, if I'm, if I'm going to retire, which, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to ever retire as such. But if I, the next thing that I'm going to be doing or that I want to do is actually go into a role where I can do multiple things at the same time on different companies, different, you know, fronts, fronts. Right. So it, it just so happened that it happened a little bit earlier than I was expecting. So I was not fully prepared. I, I didn't have everything in place when, when it happened. I decided to take a package from a from AT&T uh, and say, well, you know, I either had the option to move to LA or Dallas or take the package and basically start this. And I said, you know, maybe this is the right time. And this is the right time. It's going to force me into doing what I wanted to do. And that's how it started. So obviously I know a lot of people in the industry and they started calling me for, for some of these uh, engagements. Um, and that, that, that's how I started. So right now I'm actually the last one the last engagement that I have is uh, has been, you know, related to AI. Mm -hmm. um, Artificial uh, intelligence, just to explain to our audience that maybe not be that familiar. That's correct. Artificial intelligence and machine learning. So um, I came across uh, through, you know, people that I have worked with in the past. It came this opportunity to actually help uh, a company that does uh, software, more, very specific, but very uh specific to a, a type of problems that a lot of, of the wireless carriers have uh, on interference and use machine learning and, and artificial intelligence to actually pinpoint where that is coming from. And I'm having a lot of fun with it because I definitely know a lot about the area. I know about the problem and it's good to now have a, a solution for the problem, which I'm part of and, and I'm really having a good, great time with that. Through them also other companies from this area, from the area of uh, Seattle, have approached me for doing also other, also some other consultant work. They're all related to AI, so I'm taking this AI wave, the uh, artificial intelligence wave, very seriously because I think it's, it's 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 impressive what can be done today. That when I started learning about uh, artificial intelligence or expert systems, which were called at that time, you know, 20, 30 years ago. This has progressed to a point in, in which is very useful for day-to-day -day, um, you know, tasks. You'll be amazed how many things today are using artificial intelligence without you knowing it, right? 
uh, voice recognition, face recognition, you know, writing recognition. You know, there's a lot of applications out there or websites that actually help you, for example, um, do your expense reports and and you can write on the on the page. You can write, you know, how much how much you you spend on 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 a ticket. And and those are using artificial intelligence. Those are using AI. So I'm, I really like this field, and I really like uh, the consulting work I'm doing with that. And I think it's going to be very exciting. Uh, obviously, it's a different approach because I'm investing a lot of time and energy right now, and probably see the uh, retribution in the future. But uh, but definitely is is exciting. And you you know about. You know about being an entrepreneur. You know a lot about that. Yeah, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You are investing, and and every every little bit of work counts. And but then it comes all together. So I think it's a uh, it's admirable that that you saw the chance, and even if you weren't ready for it, you took it. And I think you well, you're. I know you're doing fantastic already. And I think you well, you and I have embarked. Uh, a lot into or see the value into this AI, smart city, this this new wave, and I think it's very exciting that that we're gonna have the opportunity to use all this uh, knowledge that we've gathered through the years uh, building wireless networks into what's uh, what's to come. So Ignacio, just to I know your time is valuable. So to to finish this, I always like to think if you had or like to ask rather if you have one hour to burn and you're going to do that thing that makes you tick. You already mentioned that there's many things that you like to do. What would it be? Like if you now have one hour and you say, okay, I can do anything that makes me happy, what it would be? Oh, I know it's a hard an, question. An, but an, an hour wouldn't be enough. <laughs> well, a couple. Okay, I, I, I gift you a few hours then. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely, I definitely, um, I enjoy playing tennis very much so if i have a spare hour and somebody that i can actually actually play with i would definitely go out and play play uh, play that i'm actually the music is something that i have always kept alive in my life so i in in every place i moved you know canada puerto rico here in the u.s every place i moved i have been i have found people to play with to to play the drums with so I've always I've always found something, and that right now I have a small band. Uh, actually, we set up a small recording studio in in the garage of one of the uh, band members, and we're we're having fun with that. So you know, if you ask me, you know, an hour, well, we we just recorded this weekend something, and and you know, music I, I could definitely be playing for one hour. You know, the drums. Now. Truthfully, you know, one of the things I do enjoy a lot, and we haven't, I mean, we kind of touched a little bit on it, but mentoring and coaching is something that I, I enjoy a lot. And if I had the time, if I had an hour with my, my daughter right now that she's actually going to college, I actually last, uh, you know, yesterday, I was going to meet with her just to have coffee. And to have coffee to coach her and to mentor her on, you know, things because she's now having all these questions about, okay, how do I apply for a job? How do I make my resume? How do I do this? How do I do that? And I really enjoy doing that with people. I really enjoy helping others with the sharing my knowledge, you know, the little I know, but at least, you know, it's it's something that I, that I am willingly, you know, sharing with everybody. 
uh, on how to actually do certain things. So that's why probably teaching could come across at some point of time in my career uh, as something that I may do. I don't know yet. Uh, I really, I really, uh, like I said, I mean, if I had an hour, I would do one of those three things. Those things are fulfilling for me. Those things, I think, are things that are, that you know leave me with positive energy after them, and and definitely that's something that in life you have to always, always do. Well, that uh, what a great way to end. I mean, I think you've you've left us with a lot to think about. I admire again the fact that you've known from from when you were a child things that kept you wanting more. That curiosity that you showcased throughout your life. I think it's really what what enables you to to say that. Well, I enjoy teaching. Maybe I'll look into that. Those are the things I think that keep us connected to who we are, what we're feeling, because we change in the journey, we change. And so that connection, if it's not there, I think that's where we get in trouble because we don't we don't know how to get back. Actually, my last interview, which was uh, uh, an author called Louis Lopresti, I, I, if you haven't listened to it, I, I welcome, I invite you to do that. But it, the title to his uh, episode is really learning the way back to who we are. And uh, he explained precisely that, how, how through the journey we can get lost and forget what we were meant to be. And then we have to learn our steps back through those things you're men mentioning. So... Thank you. Thank you so much, Ignacio. We're going to share the links to the books you've shared with us, uh, your LinkedIn profiles. So anybody uh, that wants to reach out to Ignacio for coaching, consultancy, or just to exchange ideas, his info will be there. And then if you want to share anything that your band records, then reach out and we can always add it to your <laughs> show notes. So I wish you good luck okay. with that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Ignacio. Thank you, Letty. And until the next time. <laughs>